Hello listeners, just before we start on today's episode, I just want to give you guys a disclaimer that we are aware of the audio quality in this episode. It was an international call, which is why the connection wasn't the best and impacted the audio quality. So we apologize for that, but we just felt that the information that we have in this episode, it warrants us to publish it. So we just hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Um, sorry about that and thank you. Now on to the scheduled program. Enjoy! One of my consultants said like, uh, actually, why are we hiring so many pharmacists? You guys are just giving out medication. <gasps> Excuse <Yes>. me! <laughs> that is a step to all pharmacists walking the earth right now. Hello and welcome back to Two Pills in a Pot. My name is Candice. My name is Jessica. And today we're back with another fun episode for you guys. So we've invited two of our friends today to come on the podcast and we're just gonna chat to them about pharmacy life because they're both also pharmacists. The four of us are all pharmacists, but our guests today have decided to go back home after they finish their pre-registration year. So we're just here to talk about the experience and what was that like going home to Malaysia after living in the UK for a few years and what made them decide to go home after their pre-registration year. Today we have Zamin and Shen. Hi guys! Hi! You guys want to start by introducing yourselves? Zamin, do you want to probably start first? Uh, hi, my name is Zimin. I'm a friend of both Jess and Candice. We met back in uni. Currently, I'm working in Penang as a hospital pharmacist. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Candice. Uh, I'm Shen. Uh, I'm actually working in Malaysia, in pharma industry currently. And um, I get to know Jessica before this in, the, in Belfast when I was doing my pre-registration year. I guess we'll start with the first question. Why did you guys decide to move home after your pre-registration year? For me, it was family. But actually, I was hesitant at first. Uh, I decided to move back home so that I can spend uh, more time with my family and I can stay close to my parents. So at that time, I thought time with family is my priority. So I decided to move back. Uh, so for me, is uh, yeah, partly it's because of family. And as well as um, I was thinking of the career path um, because it, it is very different uh, in UK and in Malaysia as a pharmacist. Um, I was thinking that if let's say I will, um, let's say I would come back to Malaysia, uh, one day I will need to start all over again. So might as well come back early and uh, start early, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a whole different journey. This is what I thought as well. I was done. I was actually torn between working in a hospital in UK and going home. So I tried to apply to hospitals in London, but uh, I couldn't get it. So I thought it would be more straightforward to just go home and start all over. So Zemin, you mentioned that you tried to look for a hospital job in London before deciding to go home. Um, Shen, did you share the same experience or were you set on going home straight away? For me, is, uh, I've decided to go back. So I didn't actually look for a job in the UK. In the beginning, I wanted to actually stay um, to uh, for another year. But then I decided to actually go back to Malaysia. What about you, Zamin? I, I didn't have a plan back then, mainly because I was focusing on getting a job in London. So I kind of just straight got on the plane and just... One thing that worried me is the exam, like how soon I can take it. 
so that I can start working as a pharmacist. When's the exam season actually? Like, do you have to? Rachel, do you remember? I think like we have two, like two exams in a year. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, two exams in a year. And when's well, one in the beginning of the year and another one at the end of the year. So, uh, I came back home in October, and it was too close, uh, to the one to the last one in that year. So I decided to take uh, the next year one. So I got a law book from from MPH, and then it, it was a uh, it was an open book test. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so I pretty much just like go through the content of the book and make uh, my marks. So I think it took me maybe a month. I got some past year papers from my seniors as well. So that's pretty much it. So going through the law book and uh, practice through past year papers, it's not very hard okay. in my opinion. Was the prelex exam in the UK harder? I think so, yeah. What's that the was exam called actually? Like, yeah, everyone calls it a forensic exam. But I looked it up online. It is called the Qualifying Examination to Practice Pharmacy. Oh, so it's a pre-match exam in Malaysia. So, um, yeah, as far as I know, um, you can actually can take the exam when you are in year three or year four. So I believe there are many people that will um, take it when they are in year three or year four, so that, you know, when they are finished their pre-reg in Malaysia, which is PRP in Malaysia, then they can start to practice. And um, yeah, so for people who study in UK, you can either take it when you're in year four or year, year three or year four, or if let's say you have missed those and you have started to work, uh, you can actually take it during when you are working as well. If let's say you have a plan to come back to Malaysia, and if let's say you do not have a plan and you are unsure of whether you want to come back to Malaysia or not, you can still take it because after you take it, there is no like validity or uh, how long can it? How long oh. is the validity? So did you guys prepare a lot for the exam? Um, for me, I feel that it's actually an open book test. There's a lot to read up, but and um, for myself, I didn't really spend too much time. It probably took me about two weeks to prepare. It wasn't too hard. The exam was okay, actually, uh, as long as you have uh, go through all the books and you know where to find the information. Now you guys have worked in both the UK and in Malaysia. So what are the differences between working as a pharmacist in the UK and in Malaysia? And which one do you prefer? I believe that there's pros and cons, uh, whether it's in Malaysia or it's in the UK. So it depends on what's your preference, what would you want in your future. For myself, pros in working in the UK is I feel as though you are working more as a pharmacist. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. in a community setting base. In the UK, there's dispensing separation. That's something different in Malaysia. In Malaysia, we are working towards that. Yeah, because um, retail pharmacies in, in Malaysia, they are 100% owned by private owners, uh, not bound to our uh, Ministry of Health. So we don't process prescriptions as much as UK community pharmacies do. So they mainly focus on selling supplements. Can you actually prescribe medications like over-the-counter in Malaysia? So Class C is, is something that you all will call in uh, UK as uh, pharmacy only, which is P, mm-hmm. right? Those medication 
difference is that the pharmacist can pre, uh, can actually prescribe to the patient, whereas um, class B is actually POM. That's what you will call it in the UK, prescription-only mm. medication. Theoretically, as a pharmacist in Malaysia, we, wish we, are, we are not allowed to actually prescribe class B medication and we can only prescribe class C medication. So, Shen, how long were you in the UK for? I was in the UK for a year and a few months. So I did my pre-registration year uh, in Belfast for a year. And after a year, there is a period where our visa is not ended yet. Uh So my boss just told me that there's help that is required in the pharmacy. So I offer a certain period of time. I couldn't remember how long was it. And Zamin, what about you? So I did just one year for my pre-reg. And after I finished my pre-reg and examination, I came straight back home here. I know Zimin does four years in uni in Queens. Um, so Shen, where did you go to uni? Uh, I was doing a training program. All right, so it's not full four years in the UK. So mm-hmm. I studied two years in IMU, which is a local mm-hmm. university in Malaysia, and then the uh, my year three and year four is actually in University of Strathclyde, which is in Glasgow. So when you guys moved back to Malaysia, did you guys find that you had to adjust to life back in Malaysia? And was the transition as smooth as you thought it was going to be? Did you get like a reverse culture shock or something? Um, to be honest, I roughly know what is the uh, culture <laughs> like in Malaysia as a pharmacist. My sister is actually a pharmacist as well. So I know what is going to happen. And I was actually quite prepared for it. So um, when I came back, I roughly know what I would want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And language as well. My Bata Malaysia is so rusty. Yeah, I, I but remember. But you have to speak like, a lot of DM. You have to speak a lot of um. What what's that called? Bahasa Melayu in Malaysia. <laughs> Uh, yes, because, uh, you know, I, I got a part-time job in a retail pharmacy like before the exam and I live uh, in a community where there are more Malays. So like I had to speak oh. like quite a lot of VM. It was awkward. <laughs> no, I remember there was one time I was um, giving a vaccination, like a flu jab to, uh, I think she's Malay because after she knew that I'm from Malaysia, she started to speak VM to me and I was like, Satu, I can I can I can count the numbers, but I can't count the sentence. So she, I was trying to take her date of birth and stuff. Like I was trying to take her date of birth, name, it was fine, and phone number fine. Like satu dua tiga empat lima. I was like nine three five fluent. And as soon as I started to explain to her about the flu jab, I was like, oh, <laughs> you get a fever. I was like. <laughs> this is how I feel like when I have to speak Chinese so you guys know how I feel <laughs> yeah. Zimin, you mentioned that you work in a retail pharmacy as a part-time job what was that like? was it very different? yeah, it is It is very different like, like I mentioned earlier most retail pharmacies focus supplements do like measure blood sugar, like blood glucose for patients and measuring blood pressure so that we could sell supplements. 
That's true. very smart. In Asia, it's all about money, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> Just to add on on that, right? I think it's also because of the whole healthcare healthcare system is actually very mm-hmm. different from the in the UK as well as in the Malaysia, right? So as I think as Zimin mentioned earlier as well, like uh, the community pharmacy uh, is actually a business. Right. So if let's say for them to survive, they need sales, they need to focus on the uh, profit, they need to look at their profit, they need to uh, look into the revenue. So that's why that's the reason why there are many other jobs that a pharmacist need to do. And apart from that, in terms of the patients or the customer wise, right, they look up on the pharmacist a lot <laughs> when they really? go to a pharmacy. Whoa. I think that's the very different part from in Malaysia and UK. Like in the people, the customers or the patients that comes into community pharmacy, they will expect you to know, expect the pharmacist to know every single thing, right? Uh-huh. So even a diaper, like you need to know everything. <laughs> it's the same here in terms of diaper. We need to know how many is in the stock room. I know, right? So you, you, need, you need to actually know like this brand absorb water more or that brand absorb water more, more or things like that, you know? So, uh, yeah. So, will they ask you about the ingredients inside cosmetics? Like, which one is the better for the skin and stuff? Like, because I know, yes, they do. Okay. Oh. So, you, basically, you're everything. Sometimes it's not whether do they ask you or not. Sometimes it's good for you to know if, let's say, you want to increase the sales, if you know uh, what I mean. That <laughs> so, that that you so that you can tell them more. Yeah, so you can tell them more, then you can convince them. And you can help them to choose choose which product is better for them. And yeah. that's how they would buy it. Yeah. I got a question. So, if, if you've pushed the sales more, do you get commission? Or do you just get your base salary? Because what's the point of pushing the sales if you don't get anything back? Like, do you get bonus or commission? Yeah, I think when we are speaking about this is uh, in community, all right? So in community, there are many different companies in Malaysia. So it depends uh, It depends on the company that you work at. Some companies, they will give incentive. So oh. uh, there are many different packages and all. I cannot tell you whether which company, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure which company yeah. gives incentive and all, but mm. uh, there are certain companies that actually do give incentive if let's say you hit a certain target. What's the base salary like in Malaysia? Is I have, I've heard the highest was like 8,000 or something. Is it? I believe like retail pharmacists earn more than hospital pharmacists. What about working hours? Do you have to work? like a long shift because usually shops open later there like yeah you are right um community pharmacy in malaysia generally operates from around eight thirty in the morning or uh, 9 to 10 o'clock at night so in terms of the operation operation hour is longer the working hours for the pharmacies is longer as well but we do still have the regulations which is similar to the uk which is um, you can only work 48 hours a week. I know in the UK, there are uh, certain pharmacies that will open, it, um, open like eight hours a day for six days a week, things like that. So the pharmacies will only work five days a week, eight hours a day, that will mm-hmm. be 40 hours. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in Malaysia, it's because we have that regulation as well. So as a pharmacist, usually the working hours will be 48 hours, eight hours a day uh, for six days a week. In terms of like work ethics, like um, work-life balance. So we work in the UK, we work nine to six in general. You said if you work 
in retail, you might need to work longer hours. Will they expect you to do that? And if you work overtime today, do you get paid? I think it's it's the same in hospital pharmacy, at least for my hospital. So I work office hour and five and a half days a week and I get my weekends off. So in terms of uh, working hours, it's quite similar. I'm actually in sales and marketing for pharmaceutical industry for now. So it's, it's different compared to community pharmacy. It's totally different. So what's yeah. your working hours like if you work in sales and marketing? Are you working every day? Do you have like fixed hours? In sales, um, it depends. All right. So it depends on the uh, products that you are holding. It depends on the portfolio that you are holding. So some products that you are holding, you will only focus on hospital. It can be government hospital, private hospital, but whereas certain products that, we actually, um, that for example, general medications, that then you will actually focus on community pharmacy and uh, GPs. Uh, you will not actually focus much on the hospitals. So it depends, but generally for sales in pharmaceutical industry, we work five days a week, eight hours a day. But of course, it depends on us. If let's say uh, doctors that want to meet you on the weekends or whenever is more suitable for the doctors, then it will be the time where we work. Oh, we do get okay. a little bit of flexibility here and there. Um, but uh, generally, that's the working hours for us. Yeah, uh, As a product specialist um, in sales, we do not need to have a, a pharmacy degree to, to actually work as a product specialist. As long as you have a, a science background, you can actually work in this department. But with a pharmacy degree, it obviously gives us give myself a little bit more advantage in terms of like um, product information, uh, sharing informations, and all that. So there's a lot of differences compared to um, community pharmacy because as a product specialist, usually we need to carry out events in the hospital. So, so far, I am actually happy and I get to actually learn a lot. And it's quite different compared to what I, uh, a pharmacist would do in a community pharmacy. So, would you say you prefer your current job as opposed to working in a community pharmacy? I would say uh, there's pros and cons. Uh, oh. Yeah, mm. but I'm happy with my current job. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's really good to hear. I don't think I've met a pharmacist that's like, yeah, I love my job. <laughs> I wouldn't say it out loud that I love my job, <laughs> but I have no complaint. Yeah, I mean, that's like a step further than like hating it, right? Zumin, what about you? Do you want to tell us more about hospital pharmacy and what it's like to be a pharmacist in a hospital? I think it's also very different from uh, what you do in the UK as a hospital pharmacist because we don't have as many hospital pharmacists in the hospital. Uh, we utilize pharmacy assistants. Yeah, mainly because the culture is, is very different. So we don't intervene as much. And the job scope of the hospital pharmacist is also very different, uh, mainly because consultants are in charge and we, we don't intervene as as much. So uh, our main job is just to ensure that the operation is smooth and uh, we are dispensing the correct medication. So they don't actually need uh, that many pharmacists because like a normal pharmacy assistant would work just fine. So my main job is actually to manage uh, pharmacy assistants 
Yeah, I'm also involved in the operation, but not not as much. Do you feel like you get less respect if you when you work in Malaysia compared to the UK? Because in the UK, people recognize you as a pharmacist, whereas in Malaysia, what what I heard from my other friends who work in um hospitals in KL, they would say patients would come to you and start calling you doctor or Mrs. like yeah. nurse. So is it yeah. the same for you? Because we are perceived as uh, staff who gave out medication so they I, I don't think they understand our profession like not to mention like normal patients actually many doctors they, they don't understand it as well what? one of my consultants said like uh, actually why are we hiring so many pharmacists you guys are just giving out medication <gasps> Medical information is needed 
So basically, they would engage. Uh, they would see what are the marketing materials that is uh, going out from the pharmaceutical industry. They need to actually make sure that all the details or the information that is going to be shared out to all the doctors is actually uh, evidence based. It's actually all. Supported by medical papers, so overall there are actually many departments that a pharmacist can actually choose in a pharmaceutical industry. If let's say any one of you who are interested to find out more, like to actually get into industry, I would advise to actually get to know more in terms of each departments and see which one suits you more. Uh, but if let's say you were to someone were to join this department, it doesn't mean that you have to stay at that particular department for for a long time. Forever, all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you can always find out along the way as well. See which one you actually suits you better. That's interesting to know because we I never explore that area of the pharmacy. Just particularly in Malaysia, if someone who is interested in uh, finding out more, you can actually uh, go to uh, MPS, which is a society for Malaysian Pharmaceutical Society. They usually. Pre-COVID time, they will actually have events, uh, which is called I can't remember the full name, but there is an event that is related to industry, where they will tell you more regarding industry, pharmaceutical industry, which department, what do they do. If I'm mistaken, it was called PIPI. I can't remember the name, but I used to join it so that in order to for me to actually find out more before I decide. So did you set out to do sales and marketing in industry, or did it just happen and just fall into your lap? For the company that I'm working at, we do not actually have a plant in Malaysia. So, meaning to say, there is no production in Malaysia. So, in Malaysia, the departments that I mentioned earlier, sales, marketing, uh, regulatory affairs, and medical affairs, those departments that we can join. So, for myself, uh, I feel that sales is like the beginning. It's like where you would want to learn. Even though, if let's say you are in regulatory or if let's say you are in medical affairs. The focus will be on the doctors. So, if let's say you do not understand what is actually happening on field, you will not be able to do well in other departments as well. If let's say I will be able to know more and get experience on field, that will be the best to actually progress. And what about you, Zemin? Uh, we are not as flexible as industrial. So, if you are a pharmacist, you remain as a pharmacist, and of course, you can be the manager. I'm not sure about government hospital, so but for for my hospital, my manager she actually she went to admin, so she's the chief operation manager now for the whole hospital. I think it it kind of depends on on what you want to do. So if if you're interested in doing admin jobs and managing people, so of course you know you can work your way up to to the admin. You don't really have uh, that much demand for clinical pharmacists in Malaysia. For people who are now working in the UK and are possibly thinking about going back home to Malaysia or any Asian country, actually, would you recommend them to work in hospitals? So there are still like things to learn, and especially if if uh, you you chose a specialized unit like what I chose earlier, the cytotoxic one. Like I did learn a lot from my consultants and from my fellow nurses. So it was it was fun, really. And if you're interested to do you know oncology, I think the prospect is good. I think it's blooming. The field is very fast paced. Uh, you have new drugs, you have new technologies almost every year. So. So there are a lot to learn and 
uh, drug companies, they offer uh, like dinner talks, lunch talk. You, you can do a lot of uh, self-learning if you're interested. I can see Shen laughing there on the video call. Is that what you do then, Shen? Host dinner talks and lunch talks? <laughs> um, I would agree with what Zimin has just mentioned. Yeah, um, Oncology is definitely one of the... Um, path that uh, many pharmaceutical industries focus on is also because of obviously we want to focus a lot on patient safety right and uh, this is the area where there is a lot of focus needed uh, in terms of oncology so I would really agree with what Zimin has mentioned regarding the lunch talk and uh, seminar and all that it's also because there are a lot more information that's coming up yeah, to actually provide the information to all the healthcare professionals. In terms of like sales and marketing, right? Say you're trying to sell, a, say like a blood pressure medication. There's already so many blood pressure medication out there in the market. So how do you market it in such a way that, you know, your client will be willing to change their prescribing method to accommodate this new medication? Speaking in the view of, I'm not actually in charge of uh, marketing. I do help out a lot um, in terms of um, marketing. I'm actually helping out a lot of the marketing events, but I'm not the lead, lead of the marketing program, right? For example, uh, blood pressure medications or any kind of medications, usually there are a lot of research that has been done before it actually launched and there's a lot of uh, evidence that has been pr- uh, uh, proven. So usually, if let's say, um, for example, I am a pharmaceutical industry owner or something, right? So if let's say my finding is not superior compared to other drugs, I will not launch it because it will take a lot of money. It will take a lot of resources to actually uh, launch that particular drugs. Any research is obviously to fill the gap. If let's say there is any problems that we can solve for, so for example, like during this pandemic, we can see that there is a lot of vaccines that is out there. There's a lot of research that has been done by the pharmaceutical industry, right? So mm-hmm. usually uh, there is a need that's the reason why the pharmaceutical industry will do the research. So in terms of marketing, for example, like the questions that you ask in terms of uh, blood pressure medication, obviously in the market, there are so many blood pressure medications, but there are still new ones that is coming out. It's because the finding from the research that the pharmaceutical industry does, they find that it's actually better than the previous medication. That's where the launching, the the products will be actually registered in that particular uh, country. For example, in one particular trial, right? So if let's say that particular drugs that has been researched in that trial, they find any superior in terms of this particular population, for example, perhaps these drugs will be registered in that particular country where it's fine, it has actually found to be more superior to other drugs uh, for this p- certain uh, populations. It obviously varies, but I would say that if let's say there is any findings, there, uh, there is any new drugs that is coming out, obviously a slight advantage compared to some other drugs, then the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry will carry out the launching. Sounds like you have a lot of experience. Yeah. Just by the way you talk, you're like, trying to sell me a blood pressure medication that doesn't <laughs> exist? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. From what I know, because to actually launch a product, like you need to know where is the gap. And if not, 
you don't want to actually put in so much resources, so much money, but you don't get the return, right? So mm. um, that's the return of investment ROI uh, that they actually look at as well and see how they can help the patient. Obviously, in the end, if let's say the patients do get the benefits, that's where the pharmaceutical industry should be focused on. What about the, the existing medications like, um, say, amlodipine, it's existing medications, and how, how do you try to like sell them your brand of amlodipine instead of the other brand? Well, I'm, I'm just putting an example. You probably don't have amlodipine in your... I, I don't know. Because we always get from um, customers coming, oh, I want Tiva brand of this and that. Yeah. And I was like, what, what's so good about Tiva brand? Like, um, is it an ingredient that's different? Or do you give like less side effect? Like, how do you push that? I would say I would give comment in the way that I'm a pharmacist. I'm not from a pharmaceutical industry, right? So as a pharmacist, right, as a pharmacist, we do understand that different patients will have different outcomes to certain types of drugs, which we perhaps um, there's genomic analysis that needs to be done or things like that to actually find out more. But I would say whichever brand, maybe there's a slight difference in terms of how do they um, how do they manufacture it, how do they store the pro- products, right? Um, how what are the excipients in that particular drugs? All this might actually affect the results. If let's say we are commenting on a pharmaceutical industry point of view, I would say that there are certain times where a pharmaceutical industry where they will tell you that oh my brand has a better benefit compared to some other brand is because we, we have done a lot of research that oh at this particular temperature is actually better. So our company is actually following that particular procedure very, very closely. We monitor very closely. That's the reason why our drugs is better. So there are certain ways that you can go about it. But yeah, if let's say we are talking in terms of a pharmaceutical industry point of view, that's perhaps some of the ways that they will come about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. For example, uh, hormones pills, right? Mm-hmm. If let's say there is a reminder at the back, it will definitely help the patient. So that's something that the pharmaceutical industry perhaps may find out and that's where they find that it will benefit the patient. Then that's where they will try to come in and uh, fill the gap. Do you know how some people, they just want to be on certain brand and nothing else? Do you think that is true that you know like other brands don't work on them and only certain brands work on them or do you think that's more of like a placebo effect because it's so frustrating like sometimes like trying to find the right brand for them because i'm like oh i've tried all suppliers and i still can't get it you know i understand i understand patients would want that particular brand only and they will say anything they want like they will say i would have diarrhea or whatever symptoms they will have let's say they have other brands right uh i do experience that a lot in in the uk but in malaysia not so much actually i would say sometimes if let's say it's just a parastamol patients will actually choose a particular brand as well so uh for myself i do not really see the difference because obviously if let's say a pharmaceutical industry are able to come out a drug right uh, and it's registered with the particular pharmaceutical bodies uh obviously it will work right so uh sometimes it can be just the mindset of the patient it's because in uk there's a lot of generic brand so i was actually comparing between generic and generic drugs right uh, whereas if let's say you are comparing between generic and original brand i would say that i would agree with you uh, there will be slight difference in terms of the efficacy yeah 
they actually have have uh, studies that shows like how similar is the generic to the original. Mm. Yeah. So like different companies might have a higher percentage, you know, like some companies, maybe it's 92% and the other one, maybe it's 95. I mean, they all have the same ingredient, right? Like if it says five milligrams, then there should be five milligrams of active ingredients and they should be manufactured to a certain standard as well. So why is like one company higher efficacy than the other? It's not efficacy. They don't do studies on efficacy. So? It's how similar of oh, that okay. generic to the original. So it's the component. Oh, they so don't do studies. Stuff. Yes, they don't do studies on animals or human. No, they're mm-hmm. just comparing the generic and the original. So I was going to ask, like, which one do you prefer if you have a choice now? If you have a say, if you have a choice now to choose between working in the UK and Malaysia, obviously, Shen, you keep mentioning to me, you think that UK pound is a lot stronger <laughs> now, but would you would you trade that earning with the comfort of living in Malaysia and with your loved ones, your girlfriend? Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like pounds is definitely stronger than ringgit Malaysia. <laughs> I would definitely uh, agree with that. But uh, in terms of career progression, in terms of career-wise, uh, like I mentioned earlier, if let's say I were to stay in UK and I were to come back to Malaysia one day, I will start all over again, right? Mm. So in terms of that, I would trade that, you know, because um, in, in career progression, obviously a certificate is very important, but experience is actually very important as well, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you are doing your second job, right? Mm-hmm. Second job, usually certificate, most of the people will have it. But if mm-hmm. let's say you have experience, then you stand, will be standing stand out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for myself, I would choose to be in Malaysia. If let's say I would have to choose again, I don't have a definitive answer. So if it's, if, if it's something like very fulfilling, like a new, like new skills, uh, knowledge, uh, I might. But it depends. It again depends. Like I I don't want my life to be too stressful as well. Mm-hmm. But if it's just, if we are talking about money, um, my answer is no. To me, <laughs> the, the value of time with family, uh, mm-hmm. it's, 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 more valuable to me like it goes beyond mm. any currency in this world i feel so i won't trade it for pounds <gasps> yeah. so deep so deep i think it all comes down to a personal experience as well right i mean just because some people choose to stay in the uk doesn't mean that they don't value their time with your family and just because you choose to go home to malaysia doesn't mean that you don't value your career as well so it just depends on what you want Right, last question, I promise. What advice would you give to any graduates that is listening now and they are maybe graduating soon and they're thinking, should I start working here or should I think about moving home? What advice would you give them? If let's say you are not sure of which path do you want to choose, whether you want to come back, do you want to stay in the UK, I feel as though maybe it's the things that you should be thinking about is not whether you should come back to Malaysia or you can you should stay in the UK or whichever country you are from. I think the, the thoughts should be, the thinking should be in terms of what do you want in life, uh, what, what are the things that you should be gaining at that particular point of time. 
So for example, for instance, for my case, right, if let's say I were to come back to Malaysia uh, after I graduate, I will need to actually do two years of um, service in the government hospital in Malaysia or any sector, right? I will still, I need to actually practice two years in order to get the license. But if let's say I were to actually stay in UK and practice, I will be only doing one year to actually get my license. So at that particular point of time, I knew that that's what I wanted to do before I graduate. I can see that that's something that I want to do. And I just follow on that path that I stay in the UK to do my pre-registration year. Yeah, I think my answer is, is the same to Shen. I believe many of the graduates will not actually know what they want. Uh, it's mm. just the same <laughs> for myself, right? Mm. When I was in a uni, what I need to do is uh, basically to finish off, to graduate, to pass, to get my... A certificate to be a, a, a pharmacist in the future. That's all I know, right? I believe for some of the listeners here face the same situation when you are in university, but perhaps maybe you can find out more what are the career progress, what are the career paths you have. And uh, if let's say you are still in year three or uh, you are still, you are not finished studies yet, feel free to uh, you know go ahead and do placement to have work placement in uh, different sectors just to actually get you into that situation where you would see whether you fit in or not and whether you are happy with that or not you know yeah that would be my advice instead of thinking you should come back or not uh, uh, if let's say you have the opportunity to stay paid to do pre-registration and you get a job right you should really consider that I cannot speak to all of you but if let's say if you are a Malaysian doing pre-registration year in the UK is is a plus point and it's actually good for you to actually gain some experience. So that's all we've got for you today. We've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Shen and Zemin, for spending your weekend with us and sticking around after many, many technical difficulties. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please share it with your friends. And if you've enjoyed it, please give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and any other podcasting platform. We also have a website called Two Pills in a Pod where you can donate and check out our show notes. Also follow us on Instagram at Two Pills in a Pod and our Facebook page as well. As usual, thank you so much. Bye! 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 Bye. Bye.